Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Cordimus. That's right. Redcon1.com. Coming to you from the DTOM studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread on America, and I'm your host, Don Q. <laughs> Awkward pause there. All right, guys, it's a rare Friday night show. It's, uh, it's almost 9 o'clock on Friday night, July 1st, 2022. The year is half over, guys. Can you believe it? How many more years of this crap Ola can we take? But uh, before I get into today's uh, rant, I want to just uh, let you guys know, please, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, if you could please share this with your friends. And uh, please subscribe to the show on whatever podcast app you're listening to this um, and give us a rating. If, if the app that you're listening to this on allows you to do so, please do so. Uh, share this with your friends. And then follow us on the social media platforms that we're on. Facebook and Instagram at Don't Tread on America. And on Twitter at DTOM underscore 1775. And also uh, TikTok if you want to see some drinks and drinking and drinks. Right? That's Don't Tread on America. Follow us. Uh, we also have a website, uh, DontTreadOnAmerica.com. Check that out and uh, subscribe to that and follow the show, guys. All right. Okay, so obviously the, there's a few different things going on in the news. You know, last week we had the Roe versus Wade, the Casey Dobbs, you know, all those um, Supreme Court rulings that came through and obviously the liberals and the the left and all these people are losing their ever-loving mind over these decisions to the point where now the democrats are like ready to say screw it let's just throw away the filibuster now you know they're they're they went through this i think this was last year they also went through this and you know they attacked um, cinema, Kristen Cinema, and uh, Joe Manchin, because you need a majority to um, approve that. You know, whoever's bringing up the vote, you need a majority. And um, with uh, Democrats, it's a 50 50 split. Obviously, the Democrats have the advantage because uh, Camel Toe, I mean, Kamala. Gives them 51. Now, if these two don't vote, then obviously, or if they vote for, you know, on the other end of it, it doesn't do this. Now, the thing that kills me is obviously the filibuster is, is a, you have to have a super majority. You have to have 60 or more votes. So uh, let me read this here. So liberal media figures reigniting their outrage towards the Democrats, uh, Joe Manchin and uh, Kristen Sinema over the opposition of reforming the filibuster. President Biden, along with congressional Democrats, have called for changing the filibuster in an effort to codify Road versus Wade into law. The filibuster allows senators to block a vote on legislation unless 60 members vote to override and end the debate. And... It's <laughs> the thing that kills me about this is you got the Democrats losing their mind about this because they're so hell bent on killing babies. And the thing that kills me is if if this was Republicans trying to do this for you know whatever reason, uh, open carry, let's just say, it, it'd be the same thing. Um. There's plenty of clips that I could dig up and find of Schumer and Biden and Pelosi and whoever else saying that the filibuster needs to remain intact and doesn't need to be reformed and blah, blah, blah. So, Democratic, (laughs) 
Democratic Minnesota Rep. Ilhan Omar Omar called on Manchin and Sinema, along with Republicans Murkowski and Collins, to take a vote in order to show them turning their backs to women's rights. At a minimum, the Senate should get rid of the filibuster to codify Roe v. Wade into law, worried Manchin, Sinema, Collins, and Murkowski won't support it. Make them take a vote and go on record choosing minority rule over women's rights. What is the women's rights? I'm hearing that this whole Roe v. Wade is about women's health care, about women's rights, about women's this and women's that. It's not about that. It's about the right to life. It's about the right to not be able to just uh, get knocked up and kill your baby because... You know, you couldn't put a, you know, the guy couldn't put a condom. You couldn't get birth control, whatever the case may be. But even more so that you have a person like Ilion Omar calling you out to try and um, <laughs> make you feel bad about your decisions. Um, this is a person who married her brother, married another guy, funneled money through her campaign to her, I don't know if it was her husband, ex-husband, whatever it was, uh, on top of the fact that she's called 9-11 something that some people did. And, you know, I mean, this we're taking, we're taking uh, accusations from her. Um, you know, unjust, uh, she, she continues on, or no, this is Peter Morley. So he says, uh, unjust senators Manchin and Sinema will not be backing, will not back changing the filibuster to codify abortion. Uh, patient advocate Peter Morley said they do not support women's rights. Once again, why is it, why is it, okay, so let me ask you this. If, if a woman gets pregnant, she doesn't magically get pregnant, right? You know, so if, if, uh, Man and woman. I'm. A, let's just assume, for argument's sake, it's a it's a just a random dude and a random chick. Whether even if it's a boyfriend and girlfriend, let's just assume they're not married. You have sex. She gets pregnant. Why is it a woman's right to kill that baby? What if? What if the guy wants the baby? So where's the man's right? Okay. Um, the fact that these people are literally losing their mind, it's like they don't even get the concept. It's like they're so focused on trying to, to overturn and get rid of the filibuster. They're not even trying to get rid of the filibuster. They're not trying to put it on hold. It's not like they're trying to say, let's just not have a filibuster so we can get this through. Um, to the point where they're they're ignorantly calling out on Twitter, calling out for biden to um to sign an eo you know executive order and and get rid of the filibuster and he can't do that guys now these are the same people that they see a headline and they lose their mind over the headline but they don't read the articles so people i mean and some of these people are lawmakers people on tv and then some of them are just random Twitter people that don't know any fucking thing and don't think, like, I'll get on Twitter and I'll just scroll trending, I'll scroll, you know, I'll look up stuff, see what everybody's saying about it, and you'll see articles, you'll see whatever. And then I'll do my own um, investigation into said subject, whatever that is. Because <laughs> just because you're on Twitter and you say whatever doesn't make it true doesn't make it factual doesn't make it right and if you're on twitter and you see someone post something about about whatever it doesn't matter you can't sit there and say oh well this must be right because it's on twitter and then go in line with that i scroll twitter multiple times a day and it's mainly because I just want to see what's trending. What is it? What is what's going on in the world that isn't like on the regular news? So, 
in looking at this filibuster stuff, you hear, you see all this stuff about the clamoring for him to, um, you know, to sign an executive order to get rid of the filibuster. So, um, despite having tentative majority in the Senate, Democrats haven't been able to pass much of Biden's legislative agenda because contemporary use of the filibuster was has prevented virtually any bill from passing without 60 or more votes. And I'll say this about that. If you were a decent, even if you're a half-assed decent president, you should automatically get 50 votes. Automatically. Right? In this situation, the, the House is split 50-50. You, you've got the votes in Congress because they have the majority. They have a, a higher majority. But in the Senate, you're literally split 50-50, so that's where your holdup is. Your bills suck so bad, you can't even get 10, <laughs> 10 uh, Republicans to vote with you. And furthermore, you can't even get all your Democrats to vote for you. And the thing is, is you can pretty much name, what, four or five Republicans that you, that you can almost count on between uh, Cheney and... What's his name? Uh, the dude from Illinois, Kid, Adam Kitz, blah, 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 whatever. The one that's on the January 6th. You got them two almost for sure. And then you got Collins and Murkowski, Waver. Um, you got votes on this stupid-ass gun law, you know, the red flag laws and stuff that passed last week. It's the fact that your bills aren't any good. They don't benefit the American public. Through so through party and power could change the filibuster rule one or two holdouts, namely Joe Manchin and, and uh Kristen Cinema, are opposed to ending the filibuster, but could but you know, could the president do anything to end the gridlock? Here are the executive actions Biden has available to help him end the filibuster. Biden can't directly change Senate rules, but he can be more outspoken than he has been on the filibuster. Okay, so he can talk about it. Cool. Go, go, go. As a long-time highly-ranked member of the U.S. Congress himself, or, I'm sorry, the U.S. Senate himself, Biden has expressed reluctant, uh, reluctance to interfere in the legislative process, though he has exposed hope, I'm sorry, expressed hope, <laughs> that the legislative body would find a path toward um, key pieces legislation for issues from voting rights to codify abortion rights. Many progressives feel that um, the president could do more to pressure the Senate on filibuster reform. One thing Biden can't do, I mean, let me reiterate this. One, more th one thing Biden can't do is repeal or reform the filibuster by executive order can't do it. While EOs confer a lot of authority on a president, there is virtually no debate among legal experts that an EO banning or changing the rules by which Senate governs itself would be unconstitutional. So, let's say for some stupid reason he gets a wild hair up his ass and decides to do this. It's, go it's not legit. It's going to get overturned. So you're literally wasting your time even, you know, rationalizing this. Um, and, and furthermore, uh, I'll, I'll read on here a little bit more and then I'll, and I'll go into my thoughts about this. So in fact, a president attempting to force new rules on either chamber of commerce would be a violation of one of the core principles of U.S. civics, the separation of powers, otherwise referred to as checks and balances. Separation of powers means that the three branches of government, let me once again reiterate this point, the three, one, two, three branches of government, the executive, which is the president, the legislative, which is your Congress and your Senate, and the judiciary, which is what? The Supreme Court. Okay. So for those people that sit here and say that the Supreme Court has no right to do what they did, they do. <laughs> they have just as much right as the Senate, Congress, and the President. They are part 
of the governing body. See, another problem in this country that we stopped teaching was civics. When I was in school, it was a mandatory course. It was kind of like taking English and math and stuff like that. I don't know that it's necessarily mandatory anymore, but it probably should be. The president has, has some influence over the other two branches, namely the power to veto bills passed um, by legislature and the ability to nominate federal judges for confirmation by U.S. Senate, but even veto power has somewhat limited since Congress can override a president's veto with two-thirds majority in both houses. Sure, the president can sign any EO he wishes, but Biden knows any Supreme Court, regardless of uh, composition, would immediately strike it down as unconstitutional overreach. There's very little ambiguity on the, on the issue. So, before I go into what Biden could actually do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up onto... Um, onto um, the two-thirds majority and this whole filibuster uh, getting rid of it thing. The thing that makes me curious is this. Let's assume, let's assume just for a second, that this red wave is going to take place. Because all we hear about is there's going to be a red wave. There's going to be this. You're going to have a supermajority in the Senate. You're going to have a supermajority in Congress. You're going to, it's going to be a red wave, blah, blah. That's all we hear. I mean, everybody is talking about it except for the Democrats. Now, granted, I guess if I was a Democrat or whatever, you know, whatever side of the aisle I was on, of course, I would not say, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to lose. But. I guess my, I guess my question is if you if everyone knows you're going to lose deep down inside you know you're going to lose and you want to pass this bill you want to get rid of the filibuster so what does that mean if you're a democrat and even as biden you're you're the president biden you're already having issues trying to pass bills and then you want to um, get rid of this. Also, with the backside of possibly there being this red wave. So, you're setting yourself up to fail. So, what where I'm going with this is, if, if they turn 10 seats in the Senate. So, now it's a 60 to 40 Republicans. You've already beaten the filibuster. But even if it's 52 to, you know, 48, right? Let's just say they pick up two seats. Um, and, and they flip the Congress. You get rid of the filibuster, <laughs> the Republicans can pretty much pass whatever they want. But then... Biden's still president for two more years so he can veto said bills. Well, if you get the majority, if you get the two-thirds majority in those two houses, the Republicans can just ram through any bill they want. They can, the House can set up the bill, the Senate can vote on it, so on and so forth, or vice versa. It goes to Biden's desk. He can say, no, this is bullshit. I veto it. It goes back to the House, and then they override it. So you're not doing yourself any favors by trying to get rid of this. And it's like, you, you know this. You know this because the fact of the matter that you have been on the other side of this argument about the filibuster in y'all's history. So my question is, why... Well, it's almost like they're not worried about it, which leads me to go back to a point of what the hell's going on. What do they know that we don't know? Is what is kind of what I'm asking. It's like it's like they're not even sweating this quote unquote red wave that's coming. They want to get rid of the filibuster. They want to base their argument on the Roe v. Wade situation because that garners a lot of support outside of Washington. You know, there's obviously a lot of people, 
upset over that Supreme Court decision last week. So they have the public support so they can piggyback the abolishing of the filibuster on the, the emotions of the American people because of Roe v. Wade. But, and, and also, they're trying to garner the support off of the ignorance of people that don't really know what that means if they get rid of the filibuster. I don't think a lot of people don't realize <laughs> what that means if that goes away. And, and I'm not even just talking about because of Democrats. I'm talking both sides. I, I'm not even going to sit here and try and tell you that Republicans are the angels in the room that are going to pass all the great bills for the American public. Uh, see the Patriot, uh, <laughs> Patriot Act, for example. Um, so, you know, what could or what can Biden do? And... I mean, to be honest with you, he can't really do a whole lot other than use the weight of the office of the presidency to try and convince these uh, senators to go along with it. So, you know, Biden could put more pressure on Manchin and Cinema, but he's done that in the past. It hasn't worked. And it was it was what a year ago. And I can't even recall what what it was over. I want to say it was because of the corona, you know, COVID something or another, I'm sure. But if they weren't willing to bend then or break then, I can't imagine they're going to do it now because it it's like the thing is with those two senators, although they are Democrats, they are from a states or from states, you know, Manchin from West Virginia and Cinema from um, Arizona that have a high contingency of Republicans. Like Manchin is a Democrat senator, has been in there for a little while. The state of West Virginia is mostly red. How he's senator is he's in that part of, um, you know, well, I shouldn't say part senators aren't aren't like congressmen, but he just has a likability in the state, and he's a moderate. So he's not going to do anything that's going to piss off his base, even though his base is mostly Republican. Same thing with cinema. They're not going to do this because they know, in the grand scheme of things, it automatic they're out. They're going to get voted out. So as long as they do what they do, they're going to be in. So you know what a president can do to assert their will on what Congress does is to make public call or public calls to action with uh, the hope that pressure from the executive branch as well as from constituents who are moved by the president's word will force action. Biden has certainly suggested some support for f filibuster reform, but not in any full-throated way. Even if he did, there isn't a whole lot uh, of evidence that the biggest holdouts on the issue uh, mansion and cinema would cave to that pressure. Uh, POTUS has already had several closed door conversations with the West Virginia Center to get his support for pieces of legislation that otherwise had the support of every other member of the caucus. None nonetheless, uh, some have argued it's worth a shot for Biden to publicly and forcefully denounce the filibuster, especially if it exists in its current form. The mere threat of a filibuster behind closed door could shut down the debate rather than requiring the opposed uh, to physically stand on the floor of the Congress and talk for hours without interrupting to block the vote. So I'm going to say this, you know, it sucks that you can literally pass laws that affect this whole country in this situation where you have 51, uh, well, you know, 50 senators and then your your vice president. It really is, I mean, I get it. It's, it's how it is. But if the option is there to have the filibuster, then that, in my opinion, needs, and I'm not even arguing this because 
oh, the Democrats are wanting to get rid of the filibuster because they, you know, whatever reason. I'm not even arguing that. If, if Republicans were, if, if, if the shoe was on the other foot, let's say, um, if it was three years ago and the Republicans were trying to get rid of the filibuster to pass some kind of gun legislation and they had 50 senators plus Mike Pence, I wouldn't be saying the same thing because it's it's likely you're going to be Democrats aren't going to be president forever unless they know something I don't, and that's kind of where I'm going with this. It's like you're willing to get rid of something that you know is going to fuck you in the long run. It might help you out today. It might help you out right now. But in the long run, it's not going to help you. So why would you be willing, it's, it's, what's the old adage, cut off your nose to spite your face? It's like it doesn't make sense unless there's something else going on here. And that's what really concerns me when I see these situations where they want to get rid of these things. So, um... And it's the same thing, you know, so, you know, with overturning Roe v. Wade, nuking the non-existent constitutional right to abortion, because <laughs> that's, you know, all you hear is, it's, oh, it's my constitutional right. It's not in the Constitution. It's, it's funny not to get off subject. Well, it's not really, but anyway. So, uh, I see all these posts on uh, Twitter, and someone posted uh, these four words, not in the Constitution, filibuster, uh, AR-15, I, I don't recall all four of them. And I'm like, I, I wanted to respond, but of course, in, in straight liberal fashion, they turned off their comments. But, you know, I'm like, neither was abortion. But they, they think that because they hear, oh, it's it's a constitutional right. It's not. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say, okay, to just randomly kill people. I saw a clip from um, Ronald Reagan and uh, he was doing a, uh, it was during a debate, and he said there was a a court case in California in the seventies, and what what happened was so uh, there was a, a a female woman that was pregnant, and uh, I don't know how far along I want to say she was relatively like eight nine months pregnant, uh, had gotten beaten by a man. And he had gotten beaten so bad, or, you know, the woman had gotten beat so bad that when the baby, when they delivered the baby, the baby was dead, had a uh, fractured skull and, and so on and so forth, that the man was charged with murder. So how can, how can, in California, <laughs> this man be charged with murder of a baby that wasn't born yet, but abortion not be considered murder. And don't make the argument that, oh, well, she was eight, nine, whatever months pregnant. That's probably why. Well, no, because in California, they're all about abortion up until the, the baby's born. So what's the difference? It's, it's the hypocrisy of this country. I don't want to say it's the right or you know the left or whoever because both sides are, are like this. They both do this. And that's what pisses me off. It's like, you know, I tend to vote more Republican, obviously, than Democrat. Um, I made that mistake once, and I won't do it again. You know, it's like, uh, I think it's Bongino says, you know, Republicans aren't the solution to all your problems, but Democrats definitely are the cause of all your problems. And it's true. I mean, I, I I sincerely believe that. You know, Democrats aren't helping nobody out. And, you know, a lot of times Republicans aren't either, but they don't cause a lot of your problems. So, <clears throat> basically, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that the people that voted for Biden, this is your fault. <laughs> so, I have a clip here. This is from the uh, one of the... Um, debates between Trump and Biden. And uh, you're going to hear Chris Wallace ask a question and uh, just listen to the responses here. 
question. So my question to you is, you have refused in the past to talk about it. Are you willing to tell the American people tonight whether or not you will support either ending the filibuster or packing the court? Whatever position I take on that, that'll become the issue. The issue is the American people should speak. You should go out and vote. You're in voting now. Vote and let your senators know how you strongly you feel. Let, vote now. Are you going to pack the Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know you're a senator. I'm not going to answer the question. Why because, would you answer that because question? Because the you question is, the question Supreme is, Court the radical question, left. Will you who shut is up, your, man. Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so list? Right. Gentlemen, this is, I think this we've is ended so this. He's going to pack the court. We have end, no, no. Going to give a list. We have ended this segment. We're going to move on to the second segment. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? Keep yapping, man. The people understand, Joe. <laughs> they sure 47 do. years, you've yeah. done nothing. They understand. And it's true. I mean, Trump called him out on a lot of his bullshit. And, you know, like I've said before, whether the election was stolen, rigged, whatever, the fact of the matter is Trump was unelected. It's had nothing to do with how great Biden is or everyone thought he was. He didn't answer the question. And Chris Wallace, being the cuck he is, should have reiterated the question. Make him answer the question. And here's the concerning part. There's two points there. Filibuster and packing the court. Okay. They just got handed a bunch of losses by the Supreme Court recently. Okay. A bunch. A bunch of pretty big losses, actually. Of course, they're all hanging their hat on the Roe v. Wade situation, but there was a couple other things. There were some gun things and whatever. But if this filibuster talk fades or, you know, gets blocked or whatever the case may be, it's going to be, um, will they, okay, let me put it this way. If Biden, for whatever reason, gets a wild hair of his ass and decides to to um, do executive order on the filibuster, Okay, and then it gets overturned in in uh, the Supreme Court because it's um, you know unconstitutional. Well, then he focuses attention on packing the court because then you want to rig it your way. You want to say, okay, well, if um, if I'm being overruled in the Supreme Court, then we'll just add more justices that are going to vote my way. But once again. This is something that will bite you in the ass in the long run. I mean, it might not bite Biden in the ass in the long run because how much longer is he going to be on this earth? I mean, he's not a the spring chicken. But, you know, the court, the Supreme Court hasn't always had nine justices. In the history of this country, the, the number of justices have varied. And a lot of the times it was because of political um, influencing. So the number of justices at nine has been like this since Grant was president. Now, prior to him being president, you know, when Lincoln was president, you had prior to the Civil War was um, nine. Then it went down to seven, back up to nine when Grant, and it stayed there since. But prior to that, it fluctuate it was for the longest time it was six which um the reason that number was was it was the same number of justices to the circuit uh court so there were six circuit courts you had six uh, supreme court justices now i think there's 13 uh circuit courts federal circuit courts in the country and i've been hearing that being raised that that should go from nine to thirteen but why? Like I said, it, it doesn't, it might help you now. So if you say, okay, we're going to add four justices and Biden gets to nominate four justices. Okay, that helps you now. But down the road in the future, it doesn't help you unless you don't give a shit about the future because you know this country's fucked anyway. That's, that's the concerning part about these things is it's been nine justices since Grant was president. 1869. So for 160, almost 160 years, 
<laughs> it's been nine justices. Now we need to change it. This country is, what, not even 250 years old? I mean, technically, we declared our independence in 1776. Actually, we didn't gain that independence till 1783. So, just uh, for shits and giggles, let's say this country is actually 240 years old. Okay? So, from 1783 to 2022, right? So roughly 240 years. But it's been not quite, I, I, I know I said 160 years. I know I rounded way up. Let's call it a call it what it is, a, you know, 153 years since the nine justices have become so for more than this more than half of this country's life we've had nine justices. And prior to that it was like I said it like it went up to as many as 10 at at some at different points prior to then. Um why do we need to change it now? You're obviously wanting to change it to fix the situation. And you, you're, there's no way in hell you're getting that done in the next couple of months, number one. And um, if there's this big red wave that we keep hearing about, do you honestly think that you're ever going to get justices nominated? So it's all talk. In my opinion, it's, all, it's just a bunch of talk. Because... It's just a way to to rile up the right and rally the left and get people talking and get Twitter to buzz and yada, yada, yada. But no one thinks of a timeline. You can't just snap your fingers and have four more justices. And, you know, it's July. You got July, August, September. You're voting next couple of months. You know, three, four, five months, you're voting. You're going to lose. I mean, according to the, the uh, professionals, you're going to lose seats in the House. You're going to lose seats in the Senate. If you lose enough seats in the Senate, you're not going to get confirmation of judges. It's not going to happen, especially if they're packing the Supreme Court. It won't happen unless this red wave everyone keeps talking about uh, fizzles. Um, or, like something I've been saying, unless it's something going to be even more sinister. Is there... Is there Forget about the red wave or the blue wave or the purple wave or the green wave. What if there's no wave and it's called martial law and you're going to just sit here and you're going to be locked in your house and you're going to like it? That's just me speculating, obviously, but I'm just saying. This is, I, try, I guess my biggest problem is I try to make reason as to what these people are thinking. And it's part of the things that drive me crazy. But on to... Other things here. U.S. will face high gas prices as long as it takes, Biden says. So this is him. He's in, um, I think this was in Madrid. He's doing his uh, world tour, you know, the Biden world tour 2022. Uh, gets asked a question here. Let's let's hear what he has to say. My, my second question is on your trip to Saudi Arabia, which is coming up next month. Uh, as we just discussed, Americans are paying almost $5 a gallon nationally on average for gas. So uh, do you expect to ask the crown prince or the king to increase oil production? And if so, how will you balance that uh, with your desire to hold them accountable for their human rights abuses? Well, now listen to the no answer here. Well, first of all, that's not the, uh, the purpose of the trip. Uh, the purpose of the trip, uh, my, first of all, I'm starting off on that trip in, in Israel. Um, and uh, the Israelis are believe it's really important that uh, I make the trip. Um, and uh, in addition to that, what we're trying to do is that the G7, it's the uh, uh, the Gulf states plus three. And so I'm sure it's in Saudi Arabia, but it's not about Saudi Arabia. It's in Saudi Arabia. 
And so there's no commitment that is being made or uh, I'm not even sure. I guess I will see the the king and the crown prince. But that's that's not the meeting I'm going to. They'll be part of a much larger meeting. And what we're talking about in dealing with that trip is that before I go, uh, I'm, as I said, going to Israel to meet with the Israeli leaders to affirm the unbreakable bond Israel and the United States have. And part of the purpose is the trip to the Middle East is to deepen Israel's integration into the region, which I think I'm, we're going to be able to do, and uh, which is a good, uh, good for peace and good for is Israeli security. And that's why Israel leaders have come out so strongly for my going uh, to Saudi. Uh, but the overall peace here is we're also going to try to reduce the deaths and, and the war that's occurring. I mean, there's a whole range of things that go well beyond anything having to do with Saudi in particular. <clears throat> well, that was a whole word, word salad of nothing. Are you going to ask the crown prince and the king about oil production, blah, blah, blah? Uh, I'm going to answer this question by absolutely not answering this question. You're welcome. It's like... <laughs> what? I mean, granted, here's my thing about that is... Fuck the Saudis. Fuck the crown prince. Fuck the king. Okay? Yeah, I said it because I don't care. Fuck them. <laughs> Turn, what was it, uh, trading, trading places? Yeah, trading places, right? When the, the Duke brothers, right, and they're getting screwed because uh, uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd did their little thing there. And then, Turn the machines back on, right? Turn the pumps back on. Get them drilling again. Turn the pipeline back on. Do the shit. Reverse your executive orders that you signed on day one of be being president. And it fixes the fucking problem. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to play this other clip. I know I'm clipping you all to death, but you know, it is what it is. I like to have their words coming out of their mouths. But I'm going to tell you, this is why... He didn't answer the question. Now, he was speaking to, um, I don't know who exactly he was speaking to, but this was when he was in Germany the other day. And you'll have Emmanuel Macron kind of sneak in between Biden and, and whoever the other guy is he's talking to here. And uh, listen to what he says. Excuse me. Sorry to interrupt you. Saudis can increase a little bit, but 150 or a little bit more, and they, they don't have huge capacities. At this stage, before six months time. So he's telling them that Macron has already talked to the Saudis and said that they can't and won't increase oil production. They're already at their capacity. They're already full. So... That's why he didn't answer the question. Now, granted, he could have answered the question by answering, saying, telling this statement. He could have said, well, that was going to be the plan, but, um, you know, we can't because they're at capacity, blah, blah, blah. But in the meantime, I'm going to get my people to reverse my EO. And But no, no, we can't do that. It's like you can't, he can't do it because it, shows that he was wrong. But in my opinion, what you're doing by begging Venezuela and Saudis and whoever else for oil does the same thing. So in his uh, speech as he was in Madrid, I don't actually have the clip of this, so you know he, he tells Americans, we will have to stomach high gas prices as long as it takes to beat back Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. As long as it takes, so Russia cannot, in fact, um, in, 
cannot, in fact, defeat Ukraine and move beyond Ukraine, Biden told reporters Thursday in Madrid in response to questions about how long uh, high gas prices might persist. He comments echoes of those uh, of the UK. Uh, I'm sorry. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, his closest geopolitical ally and one of the uh, who is facing similar pressures back home about the cost of living crisis. The national gasoline average hit a record this month above $5 a gallon, even after Biden ordered a historic release of US, U.S. reserves earlier this year. Prices at the gas pump have main, have been the main driver of inflation, which have been the main major uh, political headache for the Biden administration. Biden said he'll ask allies in the Persian Gulf region to boost oil production when he meets with them. Now, this was prior to the Macron situation. But um, Biden's latest comments about inflation, which amounts to telling voters that they need to brace themselves for a long haul, is unlikely to play well. Americans have cited inflation, which hit a four decades high this spring as their primary concern heading into November midterms. Democrats will likely lose control of the Congress, and the worst-case scenario will become even less likelier if the U.S. goers into a recession. Concerns about such a downturn are growing daily. Growing daily, and they give two shits about what? What do we give two shits about? Ukraine, one shit we don't give. And two shits we don't give about is the uh, January 6th. None of that concerns my gas price. Gas was going up before Russia. That's this isn't this isn't oh Russia invaded gas went up. Okay. An Associated Press NORC Centers of Public Affairs Research poll on Wednesday found that 85% of adults in this country uh, was going on the wrong track, with 79% describing the economy as poor. In that same poll, 67% of Democrats deemed the economic conditions as bad. So, well more than half of your people deemed the economic conditions as bad. So, that's a telling tale. 85% of this country, of the adults in this country, said that it was on the wrong track. 85%. And as high as that number is, I can't believe it's not higher. <laughs> so who's the 15% that thinks everything's great? Um, the White House has taken plans to, pains to show it is trying to solve the inflation quandary by tackling supply chain snarls, releasing extra barrels of oil from the... Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserve, which doesn't help us either. <laughs> and lifting the ban of E15 gas during the summer, which once again doesn't help us because what does that do? It causes your engine to run less efficient, which causes you to use, what, more gas. <laughs> uh, Biden has called on Congress to suspend the federal gas tax for three months. But that proposal was met with resistance from key Democratic lawmakers. Hmm. Hmm. There's your Democrats working for you. Biden aides have tried to point out to a stronger labor market and low unemployment rate as a major bright spot of the economy. Whatever. That's that's a bullshit statistic. I'm sorry. That That is a bullshit statistic. And I'm tired of talking about the labor market and low unemployment. That's a fake number. It's a fake number because you're still not at where we were. 10.9 million people lost their fucking jobs in 2020. You've only got 8 million people back to work of those 10.9. You haven't created anything. You haven't done anything. You're not doing anything. And I'll be willing to bet those numbers are going to stall. If, if, when the numbers come out here next week, the unemployment numbers and the whatever... When those numbers come out this week, if they are, if there's any kind of an increase, I'd be almost willing to bet a chunk of those numbers. Let's say, let's say he quote unquote adds 
300,000 jobs, you know, whatever that number is. Let's just say for shits and giggles that he does. I'd be willing to bet, and I, and I don't know if there's a way to find this out or not, but I'd be willing to bet that a chunk of that number is people having to get a second job. I'm just, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying it would be most of them, all of them, half of them, but it'd probably be 10, 20%, which doesn't seem like a lot, but if you, if you quote unquote add 300,000 jobs and you got 20% of those are people that have a full-time job, but now they got to get a second job because, you know, gas is $5 and, you know, milk is 10 and so on and so forth. That's still 60,000 you know, people that are having to work a second job because of your dumbassery. So, um, the interesting thing <laughs> is is this. So I want to play, I know, one more clip. And this is about the, the gas holiday. If we do these things, it's estimated we could bring down tomorrow, if they, Congress agreed and the states agreed, we could bring down the price of oil about a dollar a gallon at the pump in that range. So, once again, he's lying um, because that's what he does. He lies. Let me see. I thought I had this. And I probably don't now because I'm stupid. Well, I'll just go off of memory. So, we'll see how well that works for us. Um <laughs> So the the national the federal gas tax is roughly eighteen cents, a little more than eighteen cents a gallon. The states also have a gas tax, and it ranges anywhere from nine cents. I think Alaska nine cents, upwards of fifty nine cents per gallon in California, and that's the highest. And then each state's different, so. It, it doesn't really matter what each state particularly um, is. But if, um, <laughs> if the uh, national federal tax is 18 cents and Alaska, let's just say, is 9 cents, that's what, 27 cents? So where's your dollar? If... Uh, California is 59 cents. So it is 77 cents. Still not a dollar. And I don't know what gas is in California, but if it's upwards of seven bucks or so, I mean, shit. You know, in Florida, gas is, I don't know what the, the state average is around where I'm at right now. It's down to about. 450 ish for you know let's just say 450 it it's, depends on where you go but anywhere from 440 something to 460 so we'll just say 450 and i'm not sure i think the gas tax in florida is like 23 uh, 23 cents or something like that so let's just say for shits and giggle, giggles it's 25 you got 18 is your federal so you're looking at 43 cents so oh huh Gas might be around four dollars a gallon. Woohoo! It's still fucking four dollars a gallon. And <laughs> two years ago it was two dollars. Or under two dollars. And that's my point. It's 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 a band-aid situation, and you're talking about doing that for three months. And then what? It's gonna skyrocket on the backside? I mean, even Obama back in 08. Or it was yeah in 08, I think it was it when this was being floated because of the the recession that we were in. They he called it stupid. So now I know in Florida they're doing a, a gas tax thing in October, and it's you know it's a it's a good gesture. I'm not going to say that if they were to pass this, it wouldn't be nice to have four dollar gallon gas. Because it's as sad as that is to say, <laughs> oh yeah, thank God it's only four dollars a gallon. So I was telling Chris the other day, it's like you know it's been kind of dropping here, penny here, five cents there, you know, and it's like oh man, gas is only four forty five. And I'm like, how sad of a statement is that? We're like happy that it's four forty five. You know, when 
two years ago, when two years ago we were bitching that it was two something after Biden took office. Right? Now we'd be praying that it was two something. Just saying. So here's one thing that's kind of lighting everything up right now. The Biden regime admits on camera ushering in a liberal world order is more important than affordable gas. The Biden White House admitted on Thursday that record high gas prices are part of a broader scheme to usher in the liberal world order at Americans' expense. On CNN, Biden's director of National Economic Council, Brian Deese, made clear that high gas prices are part of the plan as the administration promotes prohibitively prohibitively expensive electric vehicles to struggling consumers. What do you say to those families who say, listen, we can't afford to pay $4.85 a gallon for months, not years. It's just not sustainable. CNN host asked, and uh, what you heard from the president today was clear articulation of the st- uh, of what's at stake, D said. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. Hmm. Cool. So, you know, we've talked on here before, and you've heard other shows talk about the new world order. <laughs> now they flip the script. Now it's liberal world order. So I'm going to do... I'm going to do some research in on the liberal, this liberal world order, because there's actually some stuff on this. And, um, we'll go into more detail on the next show. Uh, now whether or not I do a show on Sunday or Monday remains to be seen. I might not hit you all again till Wednesday. And the reason I say that is, you know, we got the 4th of July coming up. Um, so I might drop a, I'm trying to do some stuff on a 4th of July episode. So it might not have anything to do with anything that's going on in the world today other than commemorating the 4th of July. But just stay tuned. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to uh, whatever podcast app you are on and you'll get those updates. But one quick thing I wanted to talk about real quick before I get out of here. And that's... With everything that I just talked about, the, the touched on the liberal world. At 40, I felt like I was stuck in my career and I wanted to fulfill my passion, which was nutrition. That was awesome. <laughs> to um, touch on real quick was uh, with everything that's going on, everything I just talked about from the liberal world order to the gas prices to Biden being a fucking moron to try and get rid of the filibuster to just the, the little bit of stuff I talked about with all of that going on. I have his updated, his most recent job approval numbers. And it's astonishing to me that if, if I was president governor or whatever, and my numbers look like this. How I would be continuing to push these agendas. It's almost like <laughs> this is the thing that's concerning to me. Everything I talked about here, the the filibuster, the packing the courts, those types of things, um, in an election year, and your your leader of your party is is um is failing also what what is what's the plan here i mean it's almost like i don't give a shit what their numbers are i don't i don't care that my approval ratings at 38% i'm going to push this agenda but it's an election year sure it doesn't matter cuz what we have planned doesn't matter about election oh oh don't tell them that yet oh okay <laughs> okay so you know, like I said, I like to go to the, um, this is the real clear politics uh, polling, because reason I use that is because it's a an average of all the polls. So, it, and it gives you an idea, because, you know, you could sit there and say, oh, you know, uh, Ramos, 
Rasmussen's poll, he's at a 41% approval rating, which <laughs> isn't great, but it's the highest. Um, or I could say in Quinni- Quinnipiac, he's at a 35%. You know, so you're, you're more popular ones. For the most part, he's in the 30s on every one of these, except for NPR, Shocking, Rasmussen, and Emerson. And those are just at 40 and 41. It's like they're anything crazy. But the interesting thing is, so on on this website, they have like a bar graph, essentially. And so you look at today's uh, July 1st, okay? His disapproval rating's at 58%. His approval rating is at 38%. Okay? So, oops. Um, where was I at here? 38, right? Disapprove. Um, for an overall disapproval difference of almost 19%. And what that is, you take the difference between the two, and that's, you know, where you're at. So, I, I was out of curiosity, I went back to July of last year, right? So, let's see how much it's changed in a year's time. So... One year ago today, he was at a 52% approval with a 43% disapproval. So within a year's time, you've flipped those numbers worse, you know, if that makes any sense. And if you look back to when he started, um, so it doesn't go all the way back to the 20th, but... Even, let me see, I think that's probably his highest, <laughs> well, this might be his highest number right here. No. Nope. Yeah, so 55%. This was April 7th of last year. <clears throat> he was at a 55% approval and a 40% disapproval. So, in a year and three months, not quite three months, he's flipped those numbers. That's how bad he's fucked this country. Now, this is how bad he's fucked this country in time span of being able to go, um, (laughs) you know, I've created all these jobs and I'm doing all this stuff. But have you? You didn't create any jobs, number one. Let's just get that out of the way. And in the meantime... Everyone's spending a lot more money for everything. And you got 4th of July coming up this weekend, which, what do we like to do? We like to try and grill out. We have family come over. Well, that's probably not going to be such a big thing because you might not be able to afford the gas or the burgers or the hot dogs. You know, it's just different things like that. And it's it's quite disturbing. So also in this poll, (laughs) favorability ratings... And U.S. political leaders. And this is interesting. I just was noticing this. So uh, you got Biden, Harris, Trump, Pelosi, McCarthy, Schumer, and McConnell. Of those names I just mentioned, who do you think has the highest favorability rating? Now, this isn't a right-leaning or a left-leaning. This is a down-the-middle website that uses national polling averages so it has it doesn't focus on one poll it's not like this is the the npr poll of whatever this is um averages of of other of many polls so on this particular situation trump actually has the the highest favorability rating of all of these the people i just named higher than your president your vice president your speaker, your minority leader in the ha- in the Congress, your majority leader in the Senate, and your ma- minority leader in the Senate. Hmm. Interesting, right? But nonetheless, it's almost like they don't give a shit. They don't focus on those numbers. They don't focus on the ratings. And, you know, maybe they shouldn't focus on them on a daily basis. But I think 
in my opinion, is something that you should really pay attention to when it comes to um, the things you want to try and pass and the things you're you're doing on a daily basis. It just, um, I don't know. I, I just, it worries me personally that there's something else coming that with you when you have polling so low and you you um continue to want to push these agendas of fill you know killing the filibuster and codifying Roe v Wade into law um packing the courts you know these things it's like you it's like you're not even trying you don't even try to care but Anyway, I digress. <laughs> With that being said, guys, today is July 1st. I am your host, Don Q. Please make sure you follow us on the social media platforms I talked about at the beginning of the show. And like I said, subscribe and um, follow the show on whatever podcast app you're listening to this on now and share this with your friends. That is very, very important. And please please uh the biggest reason i need you guys to subscribe is so you know if i miss a show but if i'm gonna try and do something for the fourth of july um and then i'll probably come back with more of the liberal world order uh later on in the week so guys just follow the show check us out and share this with your friends and i will talk to you again later have a great day